Hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad each of you are here. I uh, want to encourage you every week to invite somebody to join you. Uh, the, the greatest, easiest way that you can introduce somebody to the truth of God's Word is to say, hey, uh, join me uh, in our men's lunch. Join me. We're going to go have a good time and a lunch and invite somebody to join you every single Thursday. I want to encourage you to, to always be thinking about that. Uh, today, we're going to continue our study in Romans chapter 12. It is a study that I've called the, the Christian Life. And really, we're answering the question, what does it mean to live as a Christian? What does it actually look like to live as a follower of Jesus Christ? And the whole, the whole premise has been that getting saved, when you put your faith in Christ, wasn't the end. It wasn't the goal. It wasn't the stopping place, but rather it is the starting place. It's not the finish line. It's the starting line. And it is then that you live walking with Christ, that you live in a relationship with Christ, that you actually live life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, part of that uh, has been, and really as we go through our verses, has been a place of evaluation. And that, and that is the question for each of us today. Are you living a life that reflects what you profess to believe? Uh, are you living a life, not your friend, not your neighbor, sometimes you think, well, I'm glad they're here, uh, but I'm talking about you, each of us as individuals. Are you living a life that is reflective of the things that we profess, the things that we claim as followers of Jesus Christ? I was talking to a guy very recently and had a long conversation. I was trying to talk to him about uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and here's what I, I found as I talked to this guy. His problem was not with the Bible. There's some folks and they say, well, I don't know that this is true. I don't know. It seems there's some inconsistencies there. And they have an issue with the Bible. His problem wasn't with the Bible. His problem wasn't with Jesus. And I would say, you know what? Jesus came for sinners. Jesus lived a life. He never sinned. He went to the cross as the payment for sin. You know what? He had no problem with Jesus. I explained Jesus. He nodded the whole time. He had no problem with the gospel. Sometimes there's folks that say, you know what? Uh, we're all going to heaven anyway, or I don't want to talk about sin, or somebody else's sin is worse than mine. He had no problem with the gospel. We're sinners. Christ came as the payment for sin. It is by trusting him and him alone that you're saved. He didn't have a problem with the Bible. He didn't have a problem with Jesus. He didn't have a problem with the gospel. But here's what his problem was. He had a problem that he could see no difference no real difference in those who carried their Bibles, those who spoke about Jesus, and those who professed to be saved in the gospel that I was telling them about. And that, that's what he said. You know what? Uh, they live like I do. They're no different than I am. They don't have a hope that I don't have. And, and, and really, he didn't put his faith in Christ because he couldn't see any reason that he would trust Jesus Christ. His problem wasn't the Bible. His problem wasn't Christ. His problem wasn't the gospel. His problem was people that are professing to believe in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I tried to explain that. You know what? It's not about people. And you know what? People are a mess and people are going to fail. It's about Jesus Christ. But his issue was with people that claim to walk with Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? The question comes back. Are you living a life that is reflective of the things that we profess? Let me tell you, we are to be different. And if, if this is actually the truth, if this is the truth, uh, and we believe it, we couldn't be the same. We should not 
be the same. Well, in Romans chapter 12, uh, again, I think we have a study on what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus Christ, what it actually means to walk as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we've been going through it several weeks. Uh, first thing we saw is that we are given to Christ. We are a living sacrifice given to Christ. We're totally committed, and that, and that is our response to Jesus. That is our response to the gospel. We are totally given to Jesus Christ. Then the next thing we saw is we're not shaped by the world. We're not conformed to the mold of the world, but rather we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, which we saw as the word of God. We're not like this world. We're changed, we're different by the renewing of our mind, by spending time in God's word. Then last week we came to this one statement that I believe the rest of the chapter spends explaining. And some say, well, it's just part of a listing and, and you can read it that way. But I believe this one statement, the rest of the chapter explains. And this one chapter, I believe, sums up Christian life is this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. And that's what we talked about last week. As a believer, you're marked by your love. That's what the Bible says. As a believer, you're motivated by your love. Christ first loved us. God loved us. That's why we love him. Our motivation is true love. And our method as a believer is love. We serve sacrificially, giving ourselves for others. We're marked by love. We're motivated by love. Our method as believers is to practice love. So you ask the question, what is the Christian life? Let love be without hypocrisy. What does it mean to live as a Christian? Let love be without hypocrisy. Now that word hypocrisy means double-faced. It's the, it's the mask. You're one thing, but you put that mask on. Uh, it is a fake. It is a sham. Uh, it is posing. It's being a poser. You're, you're not that, but you pose as that thing. Well, let your love be true. Let it not be fake. Let, let it not be a fraudulent thing, but let it, let it be true love. That, that's what we saw last week. Well, now to explain that, I believe the rest of the chapter is going to say, let your love be without hypocrisy. So here's what it means. Let your love be without hypocrisy. So here's what it looks like. Let your love not be a, a, a fake thing. Here's what it's going to entail. And I believe the rest of the chapter is going to explain this one phrase. All right, so here we go. Back to, to Romans chapter 12, verse 9. I'm going to read the verse, and we're going to go to the first piece. Here it is. Let love be without hypocrisy. There it is. Here's the next part. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Let love be without hypocrisy. Don't let it be fake. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. That's the first thing. What does it look like to live as a Christian? What does it mean to have true love? It means that you would abhor what is evil and you would cling to what is good. Now let, let's walk through that short verse. Abhor is an interesting word in the, in the Greek, in the original language. It means to hate. It actually means to hate. In fact, it's not just a normal hate. It is a deep hatred. It is a, best word I can say, it is a burning hatred. 
And it says, hey, abhor what is evil. Here's the deal. Understand this. God hates evil. In fact, the Bible says God abhors evil. He has a burning hatred for what is evil. It is opposite of him. He is good. It is opposite of his nature. It is opposite of his kingdom. God hates evil. And so understand today, to live as his people, therefore it would just make sense that we would hate what he hates. We, we would take up his hatred. We would hate what it is that he hates. And then listen to this. We would be growing in that hatred. Do not be confused. This world is evil. Sometimes we act like, well, it's neutral. This world's not neutral. This world is set opposed to the things of God. It is set opposed to the Savior from God, Jesus. The Bible calls the day that we're living in. Sometimes we think, well, this was a pretty good day. The Bible calls the day that we're living in this present evil age. We are surrounded by evil. It's in our ears. It's in our view. It's around us. This is an evil age. Here's the truth. As believers in Jesus Christ, we cannot compromise. We cannot compromise. I, I want you to listen. I want you to be sure of this. One of the hardest things to say is, you know what? I, I have no use for that. You know what? I, I've met my Savior, Jesus Christ. I understand what a glorious Savior I have. I understand that he's called me to be holy as he's holy. He's told me that my job is to lead people to Christ. He is coming again and, and receiving me into himself one day and we'll be in the absence of these things. And you know what? Because I've seen him, one of the hardest things to say is, you know what? I have no need of that any longer. I have no use for that. I don't need to see that any longer. I don't need to hear that any longer. I don't need to be around that any longer. Well, what if everybody says it's fine? Well, it's fine. It's not that big of a deal. Whatever everybody says, it's not, it's not going to hurt you that bad. It's a hard deal to say, you know what? I have no use for that any longer. Here's the truth. Our day is evil. Our world is evil. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we cannot compromise with evil. I debated telling you this story, but I'm going to tell it to you this morning. It's going to make first of you, half of you mad. And when I finish, it's going to make the other half mad. So everybody's going to get to be mad here in a minute. Get ready. You may want it to get mad. So, all right, here we go. You're full of enchiladas. Here we go. I do not drink. I do not drink. But let me tell you this. Do you know the Bible doesn't call drinking wrong? Now, with that, the staunch Baptists in the room just got mad. They just went, oh, that gum is, I thought he was a Baptist preacher. You know, the Bible doesn't call drinking a sin. The Bible doesn't call drinking a sin. It calls drunkenness a sin. The Bible doesn't call drinking a sin. And, and staunch Baptists right now are starting to get, I don't, this wasn't even worth these enchiladas. Here's the one that gets people, and it, it gets them. I've had people come to my office on this one. Do you know Jesus drank? Do you know Jesus made alcoholic wine? I had a guy tell me for an hour why his wine wasn't alcoholic. And I said, well, why did he give uh, the, the good wine at the first and the bad wine at the end? Because they were becoming intoxicated and they couldn't tell the difference in the wine. It was alcoholic wine. Now, with that, half of you maybe are mad. Now, let me go ahead and finish. The other half can get mad. But here's what I've noticed with, with my job. Been doing this 14 years. 
I watch folks that are consumed in that. And I watch all the problems that come with that. Listen, I watch all the chaos that comes out of that. And I've been over at folks' house and I actually had to take their kids a pizza because they didn't have any money for food and the dad drinks a case a day, a day. And I've watched that and he thought it was fine. I've been working and I'm tired and I'm drinking a case a day and his kids didn't have enough to eat. I've watched, I've watched dads and they, they come home and they, and they run their house like a tyrant and their wife is scared of them and their kids are scared of them. And you know what, that guy's sitting over there and he's drinking a case a day. I've watched that. Now let me, let me talk about myself. Here, here's the truth. My temper is different when I drink. It, it is one way or it's another way, and most of the time it's the other way. My responses are different when I drink, and I'll just tell you, they're not as good. My responses are different when I drink. My language is very different when I drink, and it doesn't take very long. My language becomes a different language when I drink, and I'm talking about myself it served no positive purpose in my life. And I sat there, and you know what? Bible doesn't call it a sin. Bible doesn't say that. But you know what? For me, it served no positive purpose in my life. And I can still remember when Sarah was about five years old, my, my other little boy is a baby with my kids very little. One day I sat down and I thought, you know what? Does this honor Christ? And I could have explained it away. I could have said, well, this and that, and I'm going to do this. But here's what I did on one day. I set it down. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not, I'm not your example, but I, I want to tell you whatever the issue is. And this is just one issue I talked about, but what, whatever your issue is, listen to me. If it doesn't always honor Christ, and if it doesn't promote the worship of Christ, and maybe, maybe it's what you're watching Maybe it's where you're going. Maybe it's the people that you're running around with. Maybe it's, it's how you're thinking. If whatever the issue is doesn't always honor Jesus Christ, if it doesn't promote the worship of Jesus Christ, then why in the world will we continue in it? And I want to tell you, that's a hard place to get. That's a hard thing to get. I remember I came home and I told my wife, you know what, I don't think I'm going to drink anymore. I don't think I'm going to drink anymore. You know what, I'm putting this out of my house. It is a hard thing to say, you know what, for me with this issue, if it does not always honor Jesus Christ and promote the worship of Jesus Christ, and maybe it's the things you're watching, maybe it's the things on your phone, maybe it's the things that you're willing to listen to, maybe it's the trash gossip that somebody tells you at the coffee shop, whatever the issue is, why not say, you know what, I'm going to set that thing down. If you love Christ enough, if you love him enough, why would you keep the distractions? Why would you keep the sin? Why would you keep anything that would detract from your walk with Jesus Christ? It says, abhor what is evil, hate it. And then it says this, cling to what is good. This is what the Bible says. You know what the Christian life is? It's don't love in a way that's false. Cling to what is good. What is cling to what is good? Cling is the, is the Greek word for bind. It actually translates to be glued. I don't know if you ever took some super glue and glued two things together. It is to be glued to what is good. It is to be laced together. That's another picture, to be laced together with what is good. 
As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're to be repulsed, you're to be sick of, you're to hate what is evil, and you're to be actually glued to the things that are good. Now, what is good? The things of righteousness, the things of goodness, the things that have worth in the economy of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You're to stick to those things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Let me read that to you. Finally, brethren, Christian, listen to this list. Whatever is true, I got no use for a lie. Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell means be focused on these things. Be consumed with these things. You know what it is to love and not be a fraud? You know what it is to love and not be a hypocrite? It is to say, you know what? My God hates what is evil, and therefore I hate what is evil, and I'm going to glue myself to the things that are good. Listen to, listen to verse 9 again. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now here, here's, your, here's, here's the summation. You can't be both. And this is where we're having a lot of trouble. This is where we got an issue. You can't be both. Here's what the testimony of Scripture is. You cannot love the world and love God too. You cannot love the things of the world and you can't love God as well. You cannot compromise with the world and be committed to Jesus Christ. It will not work. You cannot compromise with the world and be committed to Jesus Christ. It cannot be both. Here's the deal of our Christian life. Here's the deal where we need grown men to be grown men. You're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose. I think back to Joshua, who are you going to worship? The gods of this land, the gods that your fathers worshiped. But as for me and my house, we're going, to, we're going to follow the Lord. We're going to commit to the Lord. Listen, it is a choice for you today where you sit. It is a choice for you. You get to choose. Now, I want this to be very practical, so I'm not going to end there. I want to give you some practical steps. Okay, here's, here's, here's the deal. I want it to be very practical. So you say, you know what? I know my Savior. I love my Savior. I want to walk in, in a fellowship with my Savior. Here's some practical things. Here's three steps. First is this. Call what is evil, evil. In our world that's politically correct, in our world where the media can make people cancel a whole NCAA tournament in the NBA, we have to get back to saying what, what the Bible says is evil, what God has called evil is actually evil. We've gotten in a day where we say, you know what, I'm not going to talk about that. You know what, I don't, I'm not going to worry about that. And we'll ignore all these things and we'll sugarcoat things and we'll sweep them under the carpet. The first step is this, you have to call what is evil, evil. Let me ask you this, well, how do you know? Let me tell you, it's not going to be from a denomination. It's not going to be from a church. It's not going to be from a preacher. It's going to be from the Word of God. What He has called evil, you have to call evil. That's the starting place. Well, you know what? I think times are different. Well, you know what? I think it's a different day. Well, you know what? I think our culture's evolved. It's not how it works. You have to go back to calling what God has called evil, evil. Second step is this. Flee from what is evil. 
flee from what is evil. Paul writes a letter to the Corinthians. He talks about evil things, idolatry. He talks about sexual immorality. He says, flee from that evil. He, he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, and he says, flee from these things. Let me explain the word flee. I, I don't think, I think we, we say flee, we think, well, scamper along somewhere. Here's what the original language says about flee. It is to drop everything and to run. It, it is to shell out and it is to drop everything and it is to run. It's to turn tail and hook it and run and flee. Listen, we have to flee from what is evil. We have, to, we have to drop everything and run from what is evil. Here's what we do today. We try to hang around with it. We, we try to get close to it. I, I hear people all the time, you know what, I've got a trouble with, with whatever addiction, but you know what, all my friends still do that, but I don't want to turn my back on my friends. You know what, I, 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 I have a problem with this, but you know what, I watch all the shows and these things are in the shows. And we try to get as close to evil as we can. We try to hang around with, 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 with the evil as close as we can hang around when the teaching of Scripture is this. When you've called something evil, when you said it's not in worship of Christ and it doesn't facilitate the worship of Christ, I ought to turn, tail, and separate myself from evil. I wish I could go back when I was 16 and start telling myself, you know what, don't get close to it. Don't get close to it. Don't play around. Don't, you know what a grown man is? A grown man will separate himself don't get close to it. Listen, we flee from what is evil. I think sometimes we think, well, that's for other people. That's for those guys. They're not as tough as me. We need to get in the practice of staying away from what is evil. Here's, here's interesting verses that I, I think maybe explains most of us. Romans chapter 7. I, I think Paul uh, perhaps is one of the greatest Christians to ever live. Maybe one of two or three guys that I would say, this is the greatest Christian to ever live. You know what Paul says in Romans chapter 7? He says this. What I want to do, I do not do. And what I ought to stop doing, I keep doing. And I go, hold on a minute. That's the Apostle Paul? Because that sounds a lot like me. He says, what I want to do, I, I want to do it. I don't, I don't do it. And what I ought to stop doing, I, I just keep on doing those things. And this is the same guy that says, you know what the answer is? It is to flee from evil. Step one, call what is evil, evil. Step two, hook, tail, and run. Flee from evil. Third thing is this, and this is where we're going to end. So cling to what is good. And I'll just tell you this, and I've started saying it. I don't, I don't know that I preach a sermon that I don't say this anymore. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. You can't be who Christ has called you to be without putting in the word of God. In the men's lunch, in your Bible study, in sermons that you hear, reading it in your car, reading it before you go to work. You have to fill your mind with the truth of God's word. How are you going to love and not be a hypocrite, not be a, a fraud? You're going to have to call what's evil, evil. You're going to have to hook it and run and flee from evil. And you need to fill your mind with the things that are good. I wish grown men had modeled that for me. I wish they'd have told me that. You know what? Fill your mind with the word of God, not the trash of this world, and flee from what is evil. Let love be without hypocrisy. That's what it looks like. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. I do, I do want to finish with this. You know what? We mess up. I have, I do, you do, you have.
You know what? What I want to do, I don't do. And what I ought to stop doing, I keep doing. That's you, that's me. But I don't want to end it right there. You know what Romans 8, 1 says? But therefore, there's no condemnation for he who is in Christ Jesus. Your answer is Jesus. Your answer is Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus. There's forgiveness in Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dream Father, we come and I'm thankful for these men. And I pray that we grow closer to you, that we would evaluate each thing. And maybe it's not a problem for him, but maybe it's a problem for me. Maybe it's what I'm watching. Maybe it's what I'm thinking. Maybe it is what I'm drinking. But Lord, I I pray that I would evaluate according to the standard of God's word. And if I have to make some hard choices, I pray that I'd choose you. And I have to make some hard decisions. I pray that I would promote you and I would stand for the name of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for men here that you'd forgive us. We're, we're worthless. We know what we ought to do. We don't do it. We know what we ought to stop doing. We just charge right ahead. But I'm thankful that you love us enough. You sent a Savior, Jesus, that there's the forgiveness of our sin in Jesus. I pray for some men here that maybe in the preaching of the gospel, they receive for the first time Jesus. But I pray for all of us that we would go back to this Thursday and we would look differently. We would talk differently. We would live differently. And I pray the result would be this, that my Savior be glorified. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.